0: Hello, I'm Pastor Sean here with Apostle Freddie and today we're going to have another teaching and we're starting a new book and it's a whole new section so we're glad to have you with us.
1: Yeah, welcome to Holy Day podcast uh, and once again we're getting into a uh, very special time of the year uh, in the celebrations uh, as we lead into, the, uh, this is the week of offerings we're going to be talking about leading into Passover. But it's a very exciting time of the year. Now, we're going to begin in Leviticus this mm-hmm. morning. And uh, we're going to be talking about the offerings. And there are several different types of offerings. And so before we get started, uh, I'm going to throw a question out there or, or a statement to you, Sean. Uh, get you off guard. But I get asked several times. Why do we have to read this? Why do we have to study these? Because we don't do these offerings anymore. And they've been done away with, with Christ being our ultimate sacrifice. So why do I have to read the, all of these chapters every year when I read through the Bible? So uh, in a nutshell, can you give us an answer today?
0: Yes, there's a two-fold answer to that. and then, uh, But the first one I'll give you, and then the second one we'll discover as we go through okay. So the first part of the answer to that is, how much of this points to Christ, and yeah. why wouldn't you want to know? Right. I can solve it in that, that, that sentence right there, mm. because how many of these things actually point to Christ? You may say it doesn't have relevance to us today, but is that true? Yeah.
1: We'll discover. Amen. All right. Well, uh, you know what we're looking for today. All right. All right. So, Sean, let's get started.
0: All right. So this uh, parasha is uh, Vayikra, and it means, and he called. And he called. And he called. Right. So we're going Leviticus chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5, verse 26. And uh, let's dive right in. So Jewish children, when they begin studying the Torah, which book do you think they start with?
1: Well, I don't know, sure, because you're going to uh, trip me up here. So
0: well, there's, there's no trip up here, but it is not Genesis. Yeah. It's Leviticus. Leviticus. It's instructions for priests. That's what it means. They start out with that, and rabbis teach that Israel is a kingdom of priests. Now, I will be the first to tell you, they didn't actually end up being a kingdom of priests. That was the plan of God, but it didn't happen. However, rabbis say to uh, all the the children and everybody, when they start reading after their bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, this is what you're going to start studying, because you are a priest unto God. Amen. That's the way they teach it. So if they're doing that, why is it that we don't feel that it's necessary? I'm just going to point. I mean, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to go somewhere. Just give me time. Okay. Just give me time. Sacrifices do not begin with the tabernacle. I'm also going to point that out. Adam made a sacrifice. Abel made sacrifices. Noah did. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses all offered sacrifices before the tabernacle was built, before the temple was built, before all of that. So. For us today to say, you know, we no longer need it because Yeshua was the ultimate sacrifice. Now, yes, that's true. For us today. For us today. It is true. Mm-hmm. But for the Jews that do not believe in him, mm-hmm. and they say that the temple is gone, so sacrifices are no longer necessary. Mm. Why? Well, they, they they don't believe that, the, you know, there's just something to think about. Right. We'll, we'll move on. <laughs> but Jewish <laughs> rabbis believe that Moses wrote this and the other first books of the Bible, when he was in the tent, face to face with God, like a secretary would writing down his words,
1: well, they were being dictated to him. Because mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you know he spent that time face to face with him. Mm. So that's what they believe. So we're going to move right on into these uh, offerings, and we're going to look at the burnt offering, Corbin in Hebrew. Okay. That's the word Corbin. Now it's not giving up something of value. For another person It's never harsh It's true meaning of Korban Is not to give up something But to draw near Okay So it means sacrifice But the word is not really sufficient In the English translation So our word for sacrifice Is just giving up something But this is actually I'm doing this to draw near okay. So that's what your burnt offering Is mentioned in. Uh, that's what it's for But it's, it's recorded 254 times in the Bible it uh, has to be a bull, a sheep, turtle doves, or even a pigeon, but it has to be spotless without blemish. Mm-hmm. Now, of the
1: offerings, the, mm-hmm. the burnt offering is considered the most common mm-hmm. offering, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one of the most common. So this offering was always voluntary and not required. I'll point that out. It was never required. Mm-hmm. The person who brought the offering, not the priest, put their hand on the animal, and before it was sacrificed, to transfer their own sins. The person did that. or mm-hmm. The people did that. So all this foreshadowing the death of Yeshua, because you know it, it was placed upon him in the Garden of Gethsemane.
1: So this this gives us an insight why it was the most common. Mm-hmm. I think I've read it where it was uh, burn offering was twice daily in that uh, aspect of it. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you know,
0: you got to hit me on that. I'm, oh, well, I'm, I'm sorry. You it. No, I'm glad you knew it. So these these were sacrifices right here. We're done in the morning and in the evening. Yeah, that was the very next thing. <laughs> so, good job. Uh, this was a, a way for people to sanctify themselves. Mm-hmm. So to make atonement. Or, in a way, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. And a, to draw near to God, it was a personal choice to do mm-hmm. so. Didn't have to. And the root word for korban is uh, karov, and karov, which means drawing close. Okay. So. It's all about drawing close. You know, the head of the animal, submitting your mind to God so that we may have the mind of Christ. So that part was burnt. The fat of the animal belonged to God, submitting your, our body to God and not the passing pleasures of this world. So I'm going to take that out to you and point these things out because the fat represented the best, mm-hmm. the, most, the best tasting, the best episode. So giving that up and giving that to God, that's a representation of that. So it, God said, that part belongs to me okay, holy and acceptable unto God that we may resent, represent, represent,
1: I can't say the word. Oh, you can't rep- say representation? Yeah, oh. so
0: that we may represent the body of Christ uh, more accurately. Yeah. I'm going to put it that way. So God promises you will live off the fat of the land mm-hmm. in uh, Genesis forty-eight eighteen, and God wants the best for you. But we're going to get into that. Why, where I'm going with all of this because this, uh, this is part of the sacrifice, the part of the core band that they're giving up. Now the entrails speak of our desires from our own gut. Mm-hmm. You know when your gut's just telling you, I want that. Yeah. Our dreams, our passions, our directions, we think we should go, this being offered up and submitted unto God. So when you're bringing that burnt offering, you're submitting that part of your life unto God instead of what you desire. It's what He desires. Sometimes we have to put our own dreams down to serve, and, answer that que- and to answer that question, will you serve even when your dreams die? Mm-hmm. So this is part of what this sacrifice was for. He who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing these out. These are parts of the sacrifice that we don't really normally hear about, but the legs submitted to where we walk every day, unto God in His chosen directions. Do you ask every day where you're supposed to go? It's part of the burnt offering. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to cover on the burnt offering, and I'm going to move right along. I got a pretty long section here in the mill offering. But it's important to understand that all these things were to draw closer to God. And we're going to see that as we go along. In
1: the burnt offerings before we move on, you know, starts off we're talking about the offering of a bull. Mm-hmm. But then it talks about birds and turtle doves and pigeons and things of that nature. Do we have a little taste to tell people what the difference is here?
0: Turtle doves specifically were for the poor. Right. Because, you know, a poor person can't afford a bull. Right. And it's interesting what you see Jesus' parents bring to the temple. They brought turtle doves Mm. to be sacrificed. So they were actually poor. Mm. So it, the Bible displays that right in your face, and you know in Leviticus it actually teaches us for those who you know don't have that.
1: So. And those that have more, it, more is required, mm-hmm. and so that's the reason the bull is a sacrifice. It doesn't make um, one sacrifice better than the other. Right. It was what the people could afford, so everyone was equal in their sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. I just wanted to get
0: that out for for some people on that. Mm-hmm. So. So next we're going to move on to, well, before we do that, let me pull this up here. i got a scripture for us, and it's found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. I'm going to point that out on the burnt offering. And so, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable, that is truly the way to worship him. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. That's my description of your burnt offering. Okay. So that, what purpose does it have? That's what it had. So why are we doing that today? I'm going to ask that question as we go through. What offering are we giving God? Or do we just say we don't have to do that?
1: Yeah. And we, we're in our bodies, like, like it says there. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, and this whole, the ideal of uh, the offerings is uh, ideal of holiness, that we present
0: ourselves holy and acceptable. Unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. So the meal offerings, where we're going to next, it's a meal or grain offering in your your Bible. Uh, The meal offering represents the dedication of the first fruit to God. Mm -hmm. So it is the only offering that does not involve shedding of blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, four types of meatless offerings. So no leaven. So no sin. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. Don't allow that. Uh, Those thrown directly into the fire. Those baked in an oven. Those baked in a pan or baked in a covered pan. Those are the four types that you can have with this one. The offering, the priest would cast a portion of it into the brazen altar to burn it, and the rest he would eat. And then the person who brings the best of first fruit, their offering, uh, it makes the rest of it holy. So when you bring your first fruits, hey, this is the best of what I have. my first fruit offering. The rest of whatever you have at home or everything else is considered holy at that point. So when you bring the first of your paycheck, the first, the first of your livelihood, with the first of whatever your offering is or what you're sacrificing personally, the rest of what you do with the rest of your time is blessed by God. That's, hmm. that's what that's saying. Um, now, whether grain or meal offering, it was to be mixed with oil. Now, we can go into that all day. I didn't do that in this teaching. Well, we all know the wool represents the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, we'll go in more in depth of that as we go along, but I'm saving that for another lesson. <laughs> but the soul of the man versus the flesh of a man is what we're going to get into now. So the soul represents the mind, will, and emotions. The flesh is the earthly vessel that desires to be filled or pleasured by the, to the full by any means. That's the flesh. We all know that. The spirit is the presence of us that exist outside our dimension. So I want to point that out. That's directly connected to the spirit dimension. The reason why I say it this way, scientists still cannot discover anything that happens to the body when you die. They've tried. Christian scientists have tried. They can't see anything. They can't notice anything. they look for magnetic fields and all these other things. The spirit realm exists outside of the normal realm. That's why you can't really detect these things. Yet anyway. Mm -hmm. But that's the spirit of a person. Now, the soul and the spirit of a person is subject to the belief and the actions of the individual.
1: Okay. Say that again.
0: The soul and the spirit of a person is subject to the belief and the actions of that individual. It's true. Okay. Very true. Just pointing that statement out there. The spirit of a person is judged by the actions and beliefs of the soul. Now, how can I back that up? Uh, you know, what, what matters what it matters what your soul believes, your mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. It's, it matters your confession of faith. It matters what that is. So your eternal spirit goes to where with what your soul agrees. So you either believe in God or you mm-hmm. believe in the ways of this world. Your actions define that. Everything is subject to that. Mm-hmm. So when a person submits the best of the first of who they are, all their increase, and submit it to God by choice, that's your meal offering. Mm-hmm. They are putting their own soul in his hands, not what of this world and its lust. The sacrifice is made without leaven, without sin. And remember that... Now, we're going to go into an example of this. I have to do this. So, okay. remember Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Cain did not bring the first or the best, but Abel did. And remember the scripture when you, uh, you have ought against your brother, leave that gift at the altar and go make it right and then come back and give your gift. So... Cain, from his labor, offer all he had. He had used part of it where he had wished, and then he came back and, I'll give you this. Mm-hmm. This is my offer. So i use the first of my paycheck for my bills, my other things, and, you know, some of this. Yeah, I'll give God a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I have all this good stuff here. I'm going to give it to my family, my friends, and things. Maybe I'll give a little bit to the church over there. These are the kinds of things that that doesn't make it holy. What makes it holy is when you bring it to God, whatever it is, even if it's just a talent, I give the first of what I have to God and the best. Mm. And then that makes the rest holy. You know, and
1: uh, the debate with a lot of folks over the years on Cain and Abel, one was an uh, uh, offering of the fruit of the land, one was uh, the animal, and a lot Sometimes people will argue, well, God didn't accept the offering because it wasn't a blood offering. But you know, it was in, it was how they gave the offering yeah. is more important than whether it was a blood offering or not a blood offering. Uh, because uh, it says in a process of time mm-hmm. that he brought. So after I to had work. my, after I, I planted a garden, uh, that first tomato, I made my own bacon and tomato sandwich, uh, uh, I, you know, I ate all of, and it, and then after, you know, just like today, uh, as people can, they put up their green beans, they put up their corn, they, they can their tomatoes, and after they have no more room, then they start bringing it to the church to give to other church family, and so it was a process of time. After he had collected enough, then he said... So it wasn't the very first of his, of his land. Exactly. So, so.
0: And that, that is how the rabbis teach it, and that's how the, the, so many people are starting to look at this now, mm-hmm. not as a blood animal versus vegetables. Right. So it's the heart of the matter. Well, so, by faith Abel gave of God his first and best, so that the rest of, would be blessed by God, his life, and his work. So... In our lives today, it's convenient to just give 10% and say, that's good enough. Yeah. But this is not what this offering was for. Hmm. This was the first fruit offering. This was not a tithe. Hmm. So it's a special offering and is to be the best and the first of all that you are. I'm going to say it that way. A life submitted to God that He will direct your path, not that of your own will. Predictive prayer. I just want to know your will and the direction you have for my life today, not reactive prayer. I'll pray after I get everything and something happens and then I'll pray. That's when I'll give my offering when I need an answer from God, not before. Mm -hmm. So what's your your direction? Is it Cain or is it Abel? Because that's what we're discussing here right right now. Mm -hmm. So incense is added to the mix. Now in the last lesson, if you were watching, incense represents prayer and intercession. So on top of that, in the book of Numbers and Second Chronicles, the uh, Aaronic priesthood called, was called the covenant of salt. Now, God's covenant with the Davidic kings of Israel is also described as the covenant of salt. In Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13, you shall season your every offering meal with salt. You shall not omit from your meal the offering, the salt of your covenant with God. With, with your offerings, you must offer salt. Mm-hmm. Salt seasons everything. Salt represents light. Uh, Jesus calls believers salt and light in Matthew chapter 5, 13 and 14. Yep. Uh, to be light, we have to be believers, faithful, and true. And uh, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its savior, how can it be salty again? You're right. Oh, was you about to read it? No,
1: I, but I was getting ready to, to mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we have to stay salty. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there are so many little things like this. That as we read this, uh, we read it something like there's no significance. But we can see the Mm tie-in from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, The salt was important. Had to have salt. Mm -hmm. And we have to be salty. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Old Testament is not separated uh, totally in its teaching from the New Testament. Amen. They t- both bring us to God, closer to God. They both bring us with the, the teaching of Christ and of the laws and stuff. It brings us into that holy life of living an acceptable, pleasing life unto God mm-hmm. and presenting ourselves pure and holy, just like we read in Romans 12 there. Amen. So, um, you know, I try to explain when I when I talk with my uh, Bible study and the men that, you don't see it, but these are important. Mm-hmm. And they have nuggets in it. So I appreciate you bringing out these nuggets. No problem.
0: And it's, it's important to, you know, to look at it and know it for what it is because it's the same God. Mm-hmm. And you got to realize, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll get through this part real quick, God has to judge. So something, blood was required because of the sin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Always. Always or something was required of them, or the person, if you want to draw close, everything has its established order. Because of Yeshua, because of Jesus, we got to bypass much of that, and the veil was torn. Now, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that part of that right now. So, the peace offering, also known as the fellowship offering, it's about reconciliation and communion with God and with one another. So the sacrifice was made for Thanksgiving, or a vow, or simply a voluntary vow. Uh, the fat, the kidneys, with the lamb—this uh, w- includes the rear end—all it all belonged to the to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So they had to give all that part of it. The peace, the priest, are given the breast and the thigh, and Aaron and his sons receive the, the, the breast and the thigh. So it's um, seven. That's chapter seven, verse thirty-one. We haven't got there yet, but. Uh, I'll point that out there. Now, while the thigh goes to the priest who offered the peace offering, the person who offered the animal gets the rest to share with his family. So what's left over between the thigh and you know the other part, uh, it, it goes to the family. So the holy communion with God and not for forgiveness. This was a peace offering to have communion with God. So uh, remember the rich young man in Matthew, Mark, in Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus uh, recites the commandments. Mm -hmm. And the man responds, I've done these since my youth. You know, he's had a good life. He's rich. And he didn't have to suffer. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to have all these sins and things. He's obeyed. He's done what he's supposed to do. And then looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now, he went away sorrowful because he was rich and had a lot of land. But notice the passage. Jesus did not say, Do this and inherit eternal life. Hmm. He said, you know, obey the law and you'll have this. Have eternal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. when the Messiah comes, that's, that's important. I'll put an asterisk yeah. there, but he was already there. But right. you know. Jesus says, one thing you lack. Mm. One thing you lack. That's the way he responds after that. Mm. One thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven.
1: You know, Sean, it's important. Today, many people are looking for eternal life. They're looking for salvation, and we see that come to the church. People come; they give their heart to Christ, they accept Him, they ask for forgiveness of their sins. They're washed clean; they they are a new creation in Christ, uh, and they're born again. Uh, all these terms, uh, but they have eternal life at that point. But Jesus wants us, us also, just like He told the rich young girl, "I want you to go further. Mm-hmm. I want you to have riches." I want you to have more than enough. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we we don't do the people, we don't do you justice by just teaching you how to get to heaven only. But we, we want to teach you to have an abundant life. Because, you know, John 10, 10, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. But I've come that you may have life. Well, we want life, eternal life. But that you may have it more abundantly, mm-hmm. well, you can't have life just more abundantly without having the blessings, and that's what he's saying. you're going to have treasures in heaven, mm-hmm. so uh you know, just trying to give a full perspective of the teaching of the Word of God, and uh we can we're seeing out of the peace offering mm-hmm. related
0: to the same thing so it's not as boring as everybody thinks it is, isn't it no, and
1: i i, I to me it's not boring, but i I get that question because most people look at it as boring.
0: So So Jesus then turns to his disciples and he says, you know, how hard it is for those that are wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. The disciples were amazed at his words. And Jesus says it again. Mm -hmm. And they ask him, who then can be saved? Mm -hmm. You know, a rich man has the best in life. He lacks nothing. No good thing. He can serve God if he wants to. That's their, That's the ideology behind that. Mm-hmm. But no one is above re- reproach, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So a rich man who kept the commandments is still not perfect. It's true. He lacked compassion in giving all that he had. He gained much more valuable possession, an eternal one, and the rich man turned uh, poor by choice follows Christ for a better eternal reward. Imagine the riches he had in heaven for doing that. So, we don't often talk about that, but you know, the Bible talks about giving people jewels, crowns, and all these other things for giving, you know, being good and giving and doing all these things that we don't like to mention. Uh, everyone's talking about the rich man, how easy it is for a man like that to be saved. That's the ideology about it. But only with God can you be saved. Yeah. You know, the
1: trouble, the false teaching. uh, God has, first of all, God has no problem with a a person being rich and wealthy and even having nice things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I enjoy nice things. My wife enjoys nice things. I I enjoy giving her nice things. God enjoys giving us nice things. But... it's not that the, those things make us the person those things help us and bless us it's our relationship with the christ that makes us the person mm-hmm. of righteousness and uh uh even though god doesn't doesn't care that you're you're blessed he he, he wants to bless you mm-hmm. but he wants you to be righteous and live and right more than everything uh the rich man. Talk about it's you know easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than the rich man to get into heaven. Uh, it's the rich man. some many times feel, look what I've done. Look what I have accomplished. I have, uh, I have done this on my own. And when we get to that, we're telling God, we don't need you. We can do this on our own. Uh, I might be messing up some of the no, teaching No, go, ahead, go ahead. But uh, we have to understand that it's uh, it's not about the riches here. And, uh, you know, even um, talking about the camel, easier easy for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle was a, uh, was a small door uh, or a door that was, had kind of an obstacle course. Kind of, You couldn't just walk straight through. You had to kind of go through. Uh, it didn't say a camel couldn't go through one. It would have to get on its knees and basically crawl. But also, I don't know if you remember when we were in Israel when we went into the one church uh, where the birth of Christ uh, supposedly actually took place, uh, <clears throat> because of such a long line, uh, we uh, were able to pass, sneak through, uh, get ahead of the line. But what did we have to do?
0: Bribe someone. <laughs> well,
1: yes, bribe someone. Uh, we did that. Uh, we paid. Uh, we paid a bribe to do that. But he, we had to go through a little small door, mm-hmm. the door of humility. That's what that door is, because you had to. We had to literally every every person on our our team had to bow down mm-hmm. and, and duck to go through, into this door, and that door is called a door of humility. Mm-hmm. And it was. Uh, it's kind of the same. We have to come before the Lord. With humility, it's not with our "look at me, look what I've done." My riches. We all, the poor and the rich alike, must bow as we come
0: in, fill the Lord. I know. So, Amen. Good stuff. Um, so, it, you know, what really matters is not how perfect you are in your life. It's uh, it's to be holy, and it's what really matters in the end is Yeshua. Yes So belief in him And you're willing to do anything he asks that's, that's the two things to take out of that parable Because it's belief in him So you're obeying his ways And what he tells you to do And following that, that's, the, that's the answers to everything So it's eternal life And rewards Amen So Solomon offered uh, 22,000 oxen And 120,000 sheep for the peace offering At the dedication of the temple he didn't give it for a lack of possessions, because that's not what that offering's for, mm-hmm. or sins. He gave it because he needed an encounter with God. So he needed wisdom to guide his people. So he gave of this kind of offering. Uh, you know, Yahweh Shalom, God is our peace. You know, Yeshua is our peace, our best hope. Uh, he gave his flesh to tear down the veil of the law of the commandments and decrees, it says in Ephesians. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they, they talk about that. The rabbis, uh, Messianic Jews, will talk about how the veil mm-hmm. were, were represented his body. And when it was torn, it, it gave access to his heart. And they talk about that. Um, so the first three offerings were voluntary. Mm-hmm. But what we've discussed, you know, putting Yeshua first mm-hmm. and following him, that is the heart of the peace offering. You have that communion with Him, and that's what it all represents. Next, we discussed the sin offering. Mm-hmm. So we're moving right along, and we've only got two left we're doing in this lesson. But the next one is the sin offering, and focuses on repairing a broken relationship with God. So it took place outside the camp when you brought this offering. The blood was sprinkled around the altar. So in chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, for priest the blood was sprinkled before the Lord in the holy place and put on the horns of the golden altar. But for the people of Israel, it was put on the horns of the brazen altar. So there was a difference with what they had to do. The, uh, for the priest, the whole animal was burned. For the congregation, part of the animal was burned and the rest was eaten by the priests. Um, when you've sinned and you know it, God has a special way to lead to repentance, an offering in place for when we've stumbled and we lost our way, and we know we've done it on purpose. That's your sin offering. Mm. So you're bringing to the priest, here's what I've done, and none of that animal goes to you. Mm. So it, part of it's burned away. That was your responsibility. That's that sin being washed away. So you, you, know, they put their hands on it, they burned it, and then the food went to the priests. But if the priest sinned, whole thing was burnt and nobody ate anything already. right so that's your sin offering and is there anything you want to add on that no not at this time
1: I'm going to see where you're
0: going Okay. That. so that's the sin offering and it you know broken relationship so mm-hmm. when, you, when you've when you sinned and you know you've done it so far that you don't have that communion with God anymore uh, and there's something in the way you can't you're not just let, let me put it this way You've broken the relationship to the point that you don't feel comfortable going into prayer to talk to God anymore. Mm. That's what you're looking at with the kind of sin offering. Because it's sin separation from Mm. God. Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to be separated to God in a holy manner. But we've separated ourselves in a sinful manner. And that's where the sin offering comes in. Because first we have to deal with that. Mm. Because us, we can't begin with it our peace offering to God in that kind of state. We have to deal with the sin. Yeah. That's your sin offering. Yes. Okay. Uh, so next is the trespass offering. For trespassing against another person, a sin against a brother is the same as a sin against God. That's what your rabbis teach. And yeah. It's, it's flat out a sin against God. Uh, it was acknowledged as a single sin against a person and not multiple sins. So when you gave this offering, it didn't cover multiple sins. It covered one. Mm-hmm. The person who wants to give this offering had to acknowledge his guilt that he committed this sin. So there's no, hey, I need to give a trespass offering. I don't want to talk about it. And I don't really feel I'm guilty, but, you know.
1: You know, this trespass offering is really related to today. today's uh, when we do uh, sin is uh, when that spirit of pride comes in. Mm-hmm. uh and it keeps us from uh, omitting that we 've sinned uh keeps us from uh, building restoring a relationship with someone uh well i 'm not going to be the first one to make a move uh, <clears throat> but um, so uh you know we we have to deal with the pride and we have to humble ourselves before him Amen. and so it's it's important is very important, and they were dealing with something similar here in the trespass offering, yes,
0: so if it was un- unintentional, then the restitution was only equal to what was taken if that was the case, or what happened so restitution had to be made, but if it was unintentional, you knew you sinned against someone, but you didn't you didn't really mean to do it, you just knew it, you done it it's it yeah. then you had to give back what was equal to it now. If it's an intentional sin against God, they can make this offering, but. No, I said that whole thing, the whole bit wrong. So, intentional sin, you had to give back what was equal to what was taken. Okay. Unintentional sin against God, it didn't matter. Uh, you had to make this offering anyway because ignorance of the law did not make one guiltless. Hmm. Now, you didn't have to make full restitution on that, but you still had to make the offering. Right. So, these, uh, these offerings are called uh, asham and were given for theft, false souls, extortion, or lying. That's what trespass uh, offerings were uh, significant for, primarily. So, a lot of people, uh, you know, when they've lied to me, a lot of them have never even apologized. Mm. In Bible times, uh, God required we make it right and in so many churches today we teach that we don't even have to make anything right hmm. that's a that's part of a lot of them because it's just you're forgiven you don't have to worry about it and muslims accuse christians of this and rightly so if i know i've done something wrong <coughs> i always at least apologize and make it right and a lot of times when i wasn't even the person who started it or did it or I, everybody knows i could uh, I will go to the person and apologize anyway.
1: Well, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what we're called to be is a peacemaker. Um, you know, a lot of times we can say, well, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus gave the truth, uh, but he gave it love and compassion. Uh, when he was dealing with the people, now, maybe not when he dealt with the, the religious sects, the Pharisees and Sadducees and this and that, but... Uh, today we we need to be peacemakers mm-hmm.
0: and it's uh you know there's so much about that it, people today haven't really been taught that and it's it's been kind of a i don't have to make it right i don't have to represent that i don't have to admit that and so there's no i hate to say it this way but there's no repentance yeah And when they don't repent, they're making excuses in every area of their life to go the direction they want to go. Mm -hmm. Because already, they're not repenting in an area. They're not admitting. They're not showing that dedication unto God. So they can just go and get away with it. And sadly, a lot of churches have taught that. And whenever you teach that you're forgiven of everything and you don't ever have to make anything right, you're teaching bad behavior.
1: You know, in our churches, we need to... Most churches, we have a, an area we call the altar. Mm-hmm. And uh, modern-day church, sometimes, the way we, we move away from the term altar, come to the altar, and uh, some won't even mention an altar. But when we think of an altar, we think of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. and uh, Because that's what they did. They built altars, and they, they made sacrifice. Uh, but what we do, when we mention the altar... It's a place of repentance. Mm-hmm. Come to the altar and repent. And, uh, you know, every church needs to make an emphasis and focus on a altar. Whether you're contemporary, uh, some, some churches now, uh, they don't even, doesn't look like a church. It's uh, sofas and couches and tables and coffee cups and cocoa, uh, things of that nature. And, and that type of discussion is great. There's nothing wrong with it at all. But even in that setting, you need an altar. Mm-hmm. You need a place for repentance. And um, if, you, if you live a life of repentance, you're going to re- live a life of happiness and blessings. But bitterness is a root to sickness. Uh, unforgiveness mm-hmm. is a, uh, a root to, to sickness and bad health. Uh, and all of these things uh, we harbor in our hearts it only affects us many years ago when we started our church god was blessing and there was a another pastor that I, that i knew as a friend uh started the church about the same time and uh and and i i don't know the blessings why uh, we were more successful if you can look at it in numbers or whatever, but uh, our church was was doing good and, and there's what's doing us good Which, but I prayed for my friend, I prayed for him and uh, I had you know I, I knew he was hurting, so we even invited him to come and to to minister and, and he did a great job, great word, but in that he uh, made a comment that he had resentment toward me because we were successful and they weren't. But what was shocking to me, I didn't even know it. And sometimes when we can have uh, unforgiveness toward someone, it affects us, and they're going on not even realizing it. No. So don't let it stay in your heart. No. Ask God, come to an altar, uh, make that sacrifice, uh, uh, cry out to God, ask for forgiveness be restored and renewed because he's faithful to do that and uh, you can be back on
0: that that right path with Christ. Christ and you know he He pointed it all out there the altar never disappeared right but we still have an altar today so what sacrifice are you making on that altar mm-hmm. are you bringing, giving God your time are you giving him your first fruit are you giving the peace offering, the burnt offering all these things. I'm not asking you to go in church and set a fire. Don't with me. <laughs> no, no. But are you giving of yourself? And that's what he was talking about. That's what the altar is for. Mm. Not everything we've made it to be, but what was it always in that time? It was for the people to come and repent, draw close to God, and offer him all of these things. Mm. That's what it was for. That was its purpose. And
1: it was for the rich and for the poor. Uh, for everyone. It, everyone. For Amen. everyone.
0: Amen. So... If, Thank you for watching today. This is our first one in the book of Leviticus. And so we'll have, this one will be shorter than Shemot, than Exodus. But uh, we'll get right along through it. But uh, next week is our Passover messages.
1: Amen. We'll see you then. God bless you and may God be with you in all that you do.